we cannot make sacrifices for our sins. In fact, there is nothing that we can do as an act of penance or payment for the sins that we've committed. Jesus Christ alone was and is the only sacrifice sufficient for the removal of our sins. But we are called to offer spiritual sacrifices to God. Hebrews tells us to offer a sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to Christ. Today, we discover how to live this out from day to day. We are not just talking about singing songs of praise on Sunday morning. We are talking about living a life of gratitude to God, praising God daily for Jesus' death and the ultimate removal of our sins. But there's more. We praise God by telling everyone we know about our wonderful Savior and what He's done for us. A sacrifice of praise is a celebration of the forgiveness of our sins through Jesus. In my earliest years as a Christian, I used to love to read biographies about great Christian men and women. These were men and women who made extraordinary sacrifices for God. Um, I found myself just so gripped by the sacrifice that these people made. And not just by the sacrifice, but the love for God, the, the adoration of God that was behind the sacrifice. We recognize that these people were truly seeking to honor God by obeying him and doing his will. Now, for every person who calls himself or herself a Christian, we understand that our desire is, in fact, to please God. We talked about that last Sunday. We want to please him. We want to do his will. In fact, Jesus teaches us to pray that every day, doesn't he? He tells us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is really what it means to be a man or a woman of God. We are people who are committed to doing the will of God. People who are prepared to do whatever it takes to fulfill God's will on earth. Now, because of these great sacrifices uh, that I read about in these biographies, I was able to understand what Paul meant uh, when he told us to present our bodies as living sacrifices to God. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of what God has done for us, and hasn't he done a lot for us? He has forgiven our sins. He has washed our sins away. He has declared us innocent. And he has given us the promise of eternal life. In view of God's great mercy... He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Did you hear that? Your true and proper worship is not just singing songs in your car as you're driving along. It's not just listening to CHVN and humming along. No, the worship that the Apostle Paul is speaking about begins 
with offering our whole self to God. And we talked about that last week. You can go back and listen to the next Sunday to be reminded of that. So in offering ourselves as a true and proper worship to God, uh, or sacrifice to God, Paul tells us that we are not to conform to the patterns, the behaviors, the habits of this world, the people of this world. We're different. We belong to God, and our lives are to be lived to bring glory to his name. We see uh, not just modern examples of people who presented themselves to God as a living sacrifice. We see it even in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. Let's just talk about the Old Testament for a moment. The thing that we see with people who love God in the Old Testament is that they walked with God and they were prepared to obey God and do whatever God said. We saw that with Enoch. He walked with God. We saw it with, with Noah. He walked with God. He presented himself to God and obeyed God. We saw it with Abraham. Abraham believed God and did what God said. God called that righteousness. Uh, we see it with Moses. Moses was prepared uh, to, to go and risk his life by confronting Pharaoh and, and asking, demanding that Pharaoh let his people go. We saw it with Joseph, didn't we? Joseph is sold into slavery. Eventually, he ends up in the home of Potiphar. He has been elevated to a position of authority and a position of trust. And Potiphar's wife wants to have sex with him, but rather bring shame on the name of God, rather than disobey God, he is actually thrown into jail for his faithfulness to God. The thing that you'll see as a common denominator with all of these great men and women in the Old Testament is, a, is, is the same as what we see in, in the lives of, of, of modern Christian heroes. Every one of them, is prepared to obey God, is prepared to do the will of God, regardless of the cost that's involved. Abraham had to leave his family. He had to leave what was familiar, what was safe. He had to venture out into a world that was totally unknown to him. And his wife followed him. That's very intriguing to me. She doesn't get a lot of credit, but she needs to. I just try to imagine uh, any woman today, would she be prepared to just do whatever her husband said? It's, it's, it's a big thing. But again, what do we see as a common denominator? Every one of these people is prepared to do God's will, to obey him, do whatever it takes. And of course, we see it in the New Testament as well. Let me just show you a painting. It's a Renaissance painting, and it's done by Giambattista Morone. And he does this painting of, of Stephen, who is actually the first martyr that we find recorded in church history. There's poor Stephen there. Stephen's crime is that he proclaims his faith in Christ. He proclaims the work of Christ. He refuses to reject Christ, even at the cost of his own life. And Stephen was, was martyred maybe just one or two years after Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead and then ascended to the Father. So it's, he's considered the first martyr, the first one to die for his faith. What we know about 
Stephen is that in Acts chapter 6, he was appointed a deacon so that the apostles could go on committing their, their time to prayer and to the word of God. His job was to take care of some of the administration uh, of, of the church, taking care of widows and people who are in need. But he was a great and godly man. He was a great preacher. Uh, we're told in Acts that he did miracles and signs and wonders, that people were healed. He was a great godly man. And when he was hauled before the authorities, rather than renounce his faith, rather than reject Christ, rather than, than, than say he knows nothing about it and doesn't want any part of it, rather than going along with the authorities, he stands up for Jesus. He proclaims the greatness of Christ. And for this, he dies. He offers himself as a sacrifice to God. Not a sacrifice to the authorities. And I want you to, to get that clear. A sacrifice unto God. Father, here's my life. I will declare my faith in Christ, my utter and complete trust in Christ. I will not reject him. I will not renounce him. I will be faithful. For this, Stephen dies. Now, something I want us all to understand is that Christ was the final sacrifice for our sin. We talked about that last week. There is absolutely no need for you to make any sort of sacrifice for your sin. In fact, the very notion, the very idea that you would do anything as a means of atoning for your sin is, is uh, highly insulting and at, at, at best, uh, you could say it's even blasphemous because what you're saying now is that you are better prepared and better able to pay the price for your sin than Jesus Christ. And of course, even as I'm saying that, you recognize how ridiculous that is. There's no way that you or I could pay the price for our sin. If that were the case, then Jesus Christ would not have ha had to come to this earth to die for us. And so we do not add anything to the sacrifice that Christ makes. That may lead you to wonder, well then, Pastor Allen, why are we talking about spiritual sacrifices? Well, understand this. The sacrifice that Jesus makes is for our sin. The sacrifices that we make is an act of love and devotion to God. Remember what Jesus tells us, that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. With our whole being, we worship God. And so we offer not sacrifices for our sin, but rather sacrifices that reflects our love and our obedience to God. It reflects our willingness to do the will of God. Now, we... Uh, talked about spiritual sacrifices that please God. And last week we said that the first sacrifice, the first spiritual sacrifice is, is of course, the offering of your very self to God. God, here am I. I give you my whole self for your glory and for your honor. We know that this is, this is what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian means that we say, God, I sacrifice myself to you. Father, whatever you want, I will now do it. 
Now, for some of you, you may wonder, well, is this something new? Well, it's not, really. Because if we go back to Genesis chapter 3, and remember I say that Genesis 3 really is the key that unlocks everything you ever need to know or ever wanted to know about humanity and the human condition. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve were supposed to be devoted to doing the will of God. And God gives them a, a, a command, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And rather than obey that, they choose to disobey it. They choose not to do the will of God. They choose to do their own will. Folks, that's when we get into trouble. Think about it. Every time you've ever been in trouble, it's when you decided to do things your way rather than God's way. When you choose to follow your will, then you get into trouble. When you choose to follow God's will, that's when things go well for you. That's when you experience the abundant life that Christ is talking about. That's when you experience the joy and the peace that's supposed to follow every man or woman who wants to follow God. Now, can I just remind you of what the Apostle Peter tells us? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says, And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. We talked about that last week. If you didn't hear it last week, I would recommend that you go back and hear what I had to say about that. But suffice it to say... As Christians, we are people who offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. That's who we are. It's what we do. Now, Hebrews alludes to this, and we're looking at Hebrews chapter 13, looking at verses 10 to 16. So if you have your Bibles, please do open them, and I hope you have them. Take your pen and a ruler and underline those key verses here that are so important for us in our spiritual development and growth. So Hebrews says, verse 10, We have an altar from which the priests in the tabernacle have no right to eat. Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin. And the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. So let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace that he bore. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. You get the picture here, don't you? That we who are Christians do not belong to this world. We who are followers of Jesus Christ, we, we followed him to death. That is, we identified with him in his death. We are one with him in his death. And we were resurrected with him. We became new, a new creation, a new creature, if we put our faith in Christ. Now, in light of all this, the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, therefore, because of all this, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. 
And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. So this morning, I just want to talk about the first sacrifice of verse 15. And, uh, and here, here it is. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. We're going to unpack that this morning. But before I go any further, let me just say this. This idea of a sacrifice of praise or a sacrifice of thanksgiving is not a New Testament idea alone. We find it in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 7, 11 to 15 is a description of what a sacrifice of thanksgiving looks like. Now, obviously, things have changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament because in Christ, the sacrifices of the Old Testament are complete. What we're looking at in the New Testament is sacrifices that are now made through Jesus Christ. One could say or add to that in the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's unpack that. The first thing we recognize is that therefore, uh, at the beginning of this verse, and as, uh, as pastors have said many, many times, when there's a therefore, you need to see what it's there for. And what it's saying is, considering what, what we've just read, and, and we just read it, verses 10 to, to 14, tell us of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for our sins. Jesus atoned for our sin. Our sin is washed away if we put our faith in Christ. We stand justified innocent as though we, were, we had never sinned. That is the power of the sacrifice that Christ made for us. We're not talking about just covering it up. We're talking about washing it away as though it never happened. The writer uh, of the psalm says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has, re- has removed our sin from us. So when, when the writer of Hebrews says to us, therefore, <laughs> considering what Jesus has done for us, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise. We recognize that, that Jesus Christ is the only one that can remove our sin and restore to us the eternal life that God wanted us to have all along. That eternal life is ours if we put our faith in Christ and if our sins have been forgiven. So Hebrews 10, uh, chapter 13, verses 10 to 14 reminds us of Jesus' death for our sins. And he says, this is the reason why we need to offer a continual sacrifice of praise to God. We're going to talk about that more in just a moment. What does that mean, this this continual sacrifice of praise? Earlier in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 to 16, it says, this high priest of ours, that's Jesus, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings or temptations that we do. Yet he did not sin, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. If you are are singing songs of praise and worship and it does not include 
the atonement of Jesus Christ, if it, if it fails to recognize that Jesus Christ died for our sins, then I'm going to tell you, you're probably just singing songs. You're not really worshiping because the foundation of all worship is the work of the Lamb of God. Read the book of Revelation. The, the book of Revelation is all about, obviously, the, the end of the world. But I've got to tell you that the, that, the, the, that the victory that is ours, the victory that is proclaimed in Revelation, only happens because of the work of the Lamb of God. And this is why when you read through Revelation, you, you see this theme over and over and over again. The, the, the work of the Lamb of God. Revelation 5, 7, 11, chapters 13, 14, 15, and chapter 19, all of them point to the Lamb of God. It's full of praise, it's full of worship, but it's praise and worship that is founded upon the work of the Lamb of God. So it's important for you and, and for me to understand this. And when we're worshiping God, we're not just singing airy-fairy, wonderful, sweet, sentimental words of love to God. We are declaring our gratitude, our thanksgiving. We are celebrating what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for our sins. And I would say that we've got a big problem in our generation now because this is an element that is, uh, is missing. It's conspicuously missing. We have churches all throughout the land with crosses on, on their signs, or crosses in their logo, crosses affixed to the walls, and yet you don't hear anything about the cross. Clearly, Hebrews is telling us that our, our worship our sacrifice of praise is founded upon the work of Christ. And so let me just say this to you. In all of your praise and all of your worship, always begin by praising God for giving us a Savior, for washing away our sins. Do you know that Jesus is called our Savior? And there's a reason for it, because we needed to be saved. Folks, because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, we have access to God. We can come with our prayer requests, with our petitions, and the Bible says we can come boldly because of our faith in Christ. Now, I want you to see that it's through Jesus Christ that we're able to offer these sacrifices of praise, that we're even able to talk to God, that we're even able to enjoy intimacy God, with God. It's only because of Christ. I can remember when I first became a Christian as a young boy, I remember clearly this sense of intimacy that I felt with God. When I was alone, when I was praying, I, and again, I can't really explain this to you. You have to experience it for yourself. But I remember clearly that sense of intimacy that I enjoyed alone with God. And I knew, it was, I knew that it was possible because of what Jesus Christ had done for me. So any kind of, of discussion of the Christian faith, any kind of uh, attempt to worship God that excludes Christ from the mix is not true Christianity. In fact, I would say run for your life. Because you've got something that is not authentically Christian. I would be afraid of that. No, Jesus Christ has got to be at the very core, at the very center of your, of your faith and of your Christian experience. 
At the end of the day, when you stand before God someday, the question is this, what have you done with my son? Have you received him or have you rejected him? Folks, it's only through Christ that we have access to God. You say, that sounds very exclusive. Well, you're absolutely right. It is exclusive. It is extremely exclusive. In fact, it's so exclusive that Jesus tells us clearly that the road is very narrow, the gate is very narrow that leads to eternal life, and only a few find it. Jesus is that gate. He is the door that we are able to go into the presence of Almighty God through Jesus Christ. Now, folks, these are things that we must never take for granted. This is something that we must must constantly remember. And our worship and our praise has got to be uh, centered around the person and the work of Christ. Now, I want you to see something else here. It talks about continual sacrifice of praise. This is very interesting because we're talking about it, it being ongoing, not stopping, not just once a week. For some people, the only time they praise or worship God is on Sunday, and their idea of praise and worship is, is for that 20 to 30 minutes just before the sermon on Sunday. That's not what, what Hebrews is talking about. He's, t- he's talking about a life that is devoted to this this relationship with God where there is intimacy. Paul talks to the Thessalonians about this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. He says to the Christians in Thessaloniki, always be joyful, never stop praying. Look at it, always, it's ongoing. Never stop praying or pray without ceasing, as it might say in your Bible. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Can I just point something out to you? This, this continual sacrifice of praise to God is only for Christians. I mean, if you're not a believer, you can sing these songs all you want, but it'll have absolutely no effect on you. It, it might, it might, it might lead you to ask questions about Jesus. But this is, this is for the person who's truly converted. And what we're talking about is we're talking about, uh, about a relationship with God. Remember, Jesus said that when he, when he would go away, he would send to us the Holy Spirit, or the paraclete. The paraclete is the one who is with us all the time. The idea here is this constant intimacy with God, or this idea, this this notion of walking with God day by day, moment by moment, of constantly having the Father with us. And Paul says, we need to be in the habit where we are constantly talking to the Lord. We're constantly communing with him. We're constantly fellowshipping, dialoguing with him, where he speaks to us and we speak to him. And in this dialogue, Paul says, don't be whining and complaining, but acknowledge, recognize how good God is, how good he's been to you. And so Paul says, always be joyful. Well, hey, when you stop to consider that the Holy Spirit, that God is walking with you every day, moment by moment, that God is with you when you lay down at night, and when you wake up in the night, and when you wake up in the morning, he's there. When you understand that, it ought to fill your heart with joy. It should drive away the fear that so easily grips our hearts. 
No, we need to be a people who are always joyful and, and, uh, and, and that we're, we never stop praying and that we're thankful in all circumstances. Why? Because God is with us and we're, we're, we're continuing in this intimacy with him. The thing that, that is so precious about the Christian faith and about the Christian life is that we enjoy this, this intimacy, this, this personal relationship with God. There's nothing like it on earth. We are in constant communion with Almighty God and it's possible through Jesus Christ. It's possible because Jesus Christ has sent his, us his Holy Spirit who dwells within us, who, com- who makes it possible for us to commune with God. And as Paul says in Romans chapter 8, even when we don't know what to pray, the spirit within us is able to communicate with God with groans that words, that words uh, where words are just not enough. It's powerful. This is our relationship. So rather than going to God and complaining to him, what you're going to do is you're going to go to God and you're going to give him thanks. And give him thanks for what Christ has done for you and done in you. We are created for relationship with God. We're created for relationship with him. I mentioned some big names earlier, Abraham and Enoch and I, there's Isaac, there's Moses, David, Elijah, Jesus. Every one of them had this deep and intimate relationship with God where they walked with him. I, w- I would like you to, to go through your Bible once again, keeping that in mind, looking for those people who had this intimate relationship with God. They recognize that God is with them, helping them, strengthening them, empowering them. This is the glory and the wonder of the Christian faith. We do not face this life alone. Paul in Hebrews 13 verse 15 describes a conversation between friends as though we were sitting together in a room or as though we were walking down the path, a path together, sharing our thoughts, sharing our feelings. One of the great delights that I have is to get alone, go for a walk, and just talk to God. Pour out my heart to the Lord. Anybody watching me would think I was maybe a little bit loony, but uh, it's, it's only because they can't see the one I'm talking to. This is what God wants for you, to get together with God and to praise him and give him thanks, continual sacrifices of praise to God for his gift of a savior, for the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the gift of, of new life. Wow. And then it says here that we need to proclaim our allegiance to Christ. Proclaiming our allegiance to Jesus. When we think of praising God, we, we think of Sunday morning or perhaps small group gatherings when we gather to pray together. We're talking about more than that. We're talking about publicly proclaiming our faith. Publicly proclaiming our commitment to Jesus Christ. It, we're talking about a, another kind of praise, a praise that you may never have heard of, you may never have thought of. 
But do you know that when you talk to people who don't know Christ, when you talk to your family members who have not yet put their faith in Christ, when you tell them what Jesus has done for you, when you share how Christ has transformed your life, when you share with them how you believe in a Savior who walks with you and helps you day by day and moment by moment, what are you doing? Well, you might call it witnessing, and you would be correct in calling it that, but it's more. You are praising God. You are praising God before people. Before some will be converted, some will not be converted. But you are praising God in public. We are called to praise God privately, but we're also called to praise God publicly. And listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 10, 32 to 33. He says, everyone who acknowledges me or proclaims their allegiance to me publicly here on earth, I will also proclaim my allegiance or I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Did you see that? Christ proclaims his allegiance to us in that he is our Savior, our Master and our Lord, but he asks the same from us. Now, do you see what's going on here? We're talking about a relationship. We're talking about a commitment to one another. It's kind of like marriage, isn't it? We are, we are married to Christ. He's made his vows to us, and we make our vows to him. But Jesus says, you, you, you call yourself a Christian, but if you uh, cannot proclaim, if you cannot praise me before people who don't know me, well, that's going to be a problem when you get to heaven. He says, I will also deny you before my Father in heaven. I want us to think of Stephen again. We began with Stephen. What did we find Stephen doing? That moment when he's dragged out of the courtroom and people pick up their stones to, to stone him because of what he's saying. They called it blasphemy, his commitment to Christ his faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the King of Kings, as the, as the one who takes away our sins, they were ready to stone him. And rather than, than being angry, rather than rejecting Christ, rather than renouncing Jesus, some people do that, Stephen refuses to do that. His allegiance is to Jesus Christ and Christ alone, even if it means losing his life. And the writer of Acts paints a beautiful picture of Stephen in his last moments. Rather than than accusing or cursing the people who are attacking him, he says, Father, forgive them. And he looks up into the heavens And God opens his eyes to the spiritual realm and he sees Jesus. Wow. This is proclaiming our allegiance to Jesus Christ, even at personal expense, even if it means losing our lives. So there's two parts of this living sacrifice, this this living out the sacrifice of praise. 
There's that private time of, of praise, but there's also a public time of praise. In your private time of praise, what are you doing? You are acknowledging the work of Jesus Christ. You are praising God. And by the way, when you are praising God for what Jesus has done for you, what are you doing? You're reminding yourself that you are a man, a woman, who is a sinner in need of God's grace, that your sins have been forgiven. Folks, it's the greatest thing on this earth, the sweetest, sweetest words that we will ever hear. Our sins have been forgiven. That's what you're praising God for. And I hope you're doing that every day, day by day. And that you will be gripped with the wonder and the joy of sins forgiven. And some of us have sinned more than others. Regardless of how much you have sinned, understand this, that Jesus' blood is sufficient to cleanse you of absolutely all unrighteousness. And it's powerful to cleanse you day by day and moment by moment. This is what we need to praise God for. In private, we need to say, thank you, Lord, for dying for my sins. Thank you, Lord, for washing away my sins. Thank you, Lord, for giving me your Holy Spirit who dwells within me, who enables me to walk with God. Thank you, God, that I can come to your throne with my prayer requests, with my, my petitions, my needs. I can bring it all to you. And it's possible because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. Now, that's what happens in private. In public, it's a little different. I, hey, I've heard people say that you know, my, your religion is private. Your Christianity is a private thing. Well, I'm going to tell you it is private, but it's also public. Your, your, your relationship with God is a very private thing, but your relationship with God is also a very public thing. And we just, I just shared with you what Jesus himself said about that. We declare to everybody that Jesus Christ is our master, our Lord, and we will not disobey him. We will do his will. Even if it means I lose my job, even if it means I lose friends, even if it means I lose family members, I will not back off of my allegiance to Jesus Christ. This is public worship. It's worship in the public square. It's worship at the place that you do business or where you work. I will proclaim my faith in Jesus Christ. I won't be obnoxious about it, but I'll tell you, I will absolutely be vocal about my commitment to Christ. Very powerful stuff. You're going to tell people of how you were saved from sin. You're going to tell people how Jesus Christ has changed your life. You are going to show everybody that your life has been changed by your godly lifestyle. This, my friends, is a sacrifice of praise. Declaring in private to God your love for him 
moment by moment, day by day, walking with him and declaring your gratitude and your thanks. And then in public, when you're with other people, telling them, Jesus Christ is my, last, my, my master and my Lord. I do only what he tells me to do. This takes sacrifice. And this is a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. Let me just close with this. If you have read the Old Testament, you know that absolutely every sacrifice involved fire. Every sacrifice was consumed by fire. I want to show you this picture. This is a picture of the believers on the day of Pentecost. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that what looked like tongues of fire rested over the head of every believer. What's going on here? This is evidence of God dwelling in us. It's evidence that God is with us and in us. Paul or Peter talks about that in 1 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 5. He t- tells us, or chapter 2, pardon me, verse 5. He tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. And just as there was fire in the Old Testament temple of God, so there is fire in the New Testament temple of God. The New Testament temple of God is the church. It's you and me. And just as sacrifices were offered in the Old Testament with fire, so in the New Testament, these spiritual sacrifices that we offer to God are offered with fire, with the fire of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know something. You can make these spiritual sacrifices. You can do the things I'm telling you to do. But if, the, if you're not born again and you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, those sacrifices are meaningless. But if you are converted, if you're born again, if the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you richly, then God is, is pleased with these sacrifices. Because these spiritual sacrifices offered in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the fire of the Holy Spirit, is a pleasing aroma in the nostrils of God. Wow. You and I can bring great pleasure to God by offering these sacrifices. Last week, we talked about the sacrifice of ourself to God Jesus said, anyone who would come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's the first sacrifice, offering your body as a living sacrifice to God. The next sacrifice is the sacrifice of praise, where in private you are praising God for sending Jesus, who died on the cross, to remove all your sin. You offer that sacrifice in the public square, declaring to everybody who Jesus is, and the power of Christ to totally recreate, to make people into a brand new creation and make them fit for heaven. These are the sacrifices that are offered in the power of the Holy Spirit. And these please God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your power. 
Thank you, Lord, for showing us clearly what we must do in order to bring glory to your name and to bring pleasure to you, Father. That's what we want more than anything. We want to please you, Lord. So give us the strength today in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the fire of the Spirit. Help us, we pray, to offer sacrifices of praise that glorifies Christ in private and in public. Because someday, Lord, we want to hear Jesus declare his allegiance to us when we stand before the Father in heaven. And we pray this, Father, in your name. Amen. Make sure that if you're not in the habit of offering sacrifices of praise to God, Start today, every day. God bless you.